You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, I'm Jack Christides, and this is Billion Dollar Ballers, the show where we discuss the business of sports involving everything from the NCAA all the way up to the major league. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning into our show today on America's Web Radio. It's a jam-packed show, and I'm definitely excited to provide it for you. As we have navigated our way through the COVID-19 crisis, sports have not been unaffected. But we're now coming to the end of the stoppage that has upset so many Americans, and pretty soon we'll once again have all of the live sports that we know and love. Two weeks ago, we talked about the need for sports to adapt. Even though coronavirus is coming to an end, it does not mean that everything will be continuing on the same. Just as you're going to have changes in your local businesses and restaurants, you're also going to have changes on a national level with all of the sports that you consume. Um, so you may still be required to social distance or wear a mask in, in your, local, uh, your local grocery store. And it may be the same thing at sporting events. We're going to examine today whether or not leagues will be having fans when they come back, how many fans will have, certain precautions that they'll take, and as always, we're going to focus on the business aspects and the economic impact that this could potentially have. Um, so speaking of fans, we've seen some interesting workarounds to leagues that haven't had fans in the stadiums. Uh, Korean baseball, which they've been airing on ESPN lately, they've been doing several different things. They had cardboard cutouts of fans, uh, which I found particularly amusing. They also had... Uh, CGI electronically uh, put fans in the stadiums, which again was pretty interesting, um, pretty unique way to try to make the stadiums feel full. Uh, we've also seen um, unique uses of technology with the English Premier League, the Soccer League in England, and La Liga, that's the Soccer League in Spain. Um, both of those teams have been using FIFA Crowd Noise, that's the, uh, the, soccer, the popular soccer video game, They've been using crowd noise from that game and pumping it into the stadiums to try to simulate the feel for the players of having fans there. Um, again, another really interesting uh, solution to a problem that sports are having as they come back without fans in the stadiums. Um, and, and there's been some discussion of that translating to sports here in the States, too. Um, one of the big things with the NBA uh, finally announcing that they'll be coming back at the end of July They've been talking about different ways to get the feel of fans in a stadium um, because they will—they obviously won't have any fans in their stadium. And the one thing that they have been talking about, and I've seen proposed, and some have said it's even have even said that it's likely, um, is taking the NBA 2K video game and taking crowd noise from that and pumping it into the stadium. Again, I think it'd be interesting. It'd be a way to make it feel not not so different. But uh, I do have some skepticism when it comes to how they're going to implement that. One of the things, the main thing being, I don't really, um, to this point, understand how they would allow the crowd noise to fluctuate with the, with the big plays. So, uh, obviously, if you're watching a normal NBA game, a guy goes down and throws down a, a crazy dunk or hits a long, deep three, the crowd's going to go crazy. Um, but I don't know how you simulate with that with the video games. So, It'll be a challenge. Um, we're definitely going to see leagues and teams figuring it out as they go along, trying out different tactics. But it's going to be something interesting to follow. And um, from on my end, on the business end, I also think it'll be interesting to track. As they get better at it, I would wonder if, if the ratings would grow. Um, and that's something that only time will tell. But again, lots of interesting things happening right now as sports are coming back.
we talked a few weeks ago about how uh, sports being able to adapt is always key. It's always key to expanding your target market, getting more viewership, but it's especially key now um, in a time when sports may never be the same uh, as a result of the coronavirus. Um, so perhaps one of the best examples that I've been able to find of a sport being able to adapt through all of this has been the UFC. Um, we've talked about the UFC probably more than the average person would expect on this show. Um, that's because it was, it was the first sport to come back. Um, it's been extremely, extremely effective. Uh, they've put on a number of cards now, uh, five or six cards they've put on now, and every single one has been a smash hit. They've been setting records for ratings, uh, setting records for gambling, setting records for pay-per-view buys. Just uh, every single show has been getting better and better. And um, it's really been a testament to their ability to adapt. It's been pretty incredible. Um, and, and as I've said, with their ability to adapt, they're, they're continuing on that path even further. Um, so starting in July, um, they're opening what they're calling Fight Island. Um, pretty wild concept. So the UFC, uh, they didn't buy it, which has been reported. They didn't buy this island. But they did secure an island for the foreseeable future. Uh, announcements recently came out with President Dana White saying that uh, exactly one week from today, the UFC will be able to accommodate many of its international fights on this fight island in Abu Dhabi, which will feature an octagon on the beach, surrounded by several miles of a quarantined area that is going to include everything from hotels to dining establishments to training facilities for all of the UFC fighters and staff. Now, uh, on, on surface value, why, why get an island? What's the point of that? I'm sure it's a huge business expense. But uh, one of the things that makes the UFC such a, uh, a major sport now on this level, kind of trying to reach the top tier of your NFL, MLB, NBA is the fact that it's so international. Um, they have fighters of all races, all ethnic backgrounds from a whole host of different countries, um, which is great, but obviously it has presented problems as we've had these travel restrictions um, because of the coronavirus. So this fight island, because it's in Abu Dhabi and because of their relaxed travel rules, it will be able to accommodate many of these international flights. Um, which is outstanding, and I, I'm sure uh, the first card, which is going to be on July 11th, it has four title fights, so I'm sure that will continue to set records. I'm sure it's going to be great for the sport. And uh, again, just another example of how, uh, how when sports are able to adapt, they can really capitalize on any situation and um, make a whole lot of money. Um, continuing on the theme of sports adapting, I know I've mentioned the PLL, the Premier Lacrosse League, on this show before. Um, we recently had some updates uh, about this Premier Lacrosse League um, when it comes to uh, their planned new, uh, new season schedule. So um, one of the lesser-known sports I know, but still interesting, as uh, lacrosse is currently, in terms of uh, economic impact, the largest, uh, the quickest-growing Sport in the United States. It's between that and esports, and lacrosse has the crown for now. So definitely something we're talking about. Um, in lieu of their annual season this year, the PLL uh, announced that it will be hosting 
a tournament style, a two-week fully fanless tournament starting in late July um, instead of their previously scheduled season. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting. They're hosting the whole thing in Utah. Um, the league estimates that fewer than 300 people will be quarantined in their campus environment. Uh, they have a total of seven teams. Those teams are going to train at the facilities fields and the campus, uh, which has plenty of locker rooms and meeting rooms. So it definitely should be interesting. Um, Paul Rabel, a spokesperson for the league, he says that the state of Utah is an emerging market, and he thinks it will continue to underscore a larger mission of their league and for their sport um, to show expansion into new markets and embrace emerging markets. So um, definitely excited to watch some of that tournament. Um, I can't say I'm the biggest lacrosse fan, but uh, I do love when sports continue to grow and make a larger impact, and that's exactly what uh, the PLL and lacrosse as a whole is trying to do right now. They're kind of trying to, as I said, um, cut into that market a little bit, and as hockey continues to decline, as baseball continues to decline, um, it would appear that there's room for some of these quote-unquote fringe sports such as the UFC and the PLL, um, Ultimate Fighting and Lacrosse, to, to really step up and fill the void. Um, so here's to hoping that uh, the PLL has success in that tournament and um, hopefully they get a lot of viewership, can attract some new sponsors and continue to grow. So uh, with that, I'll, I'll discuss a little bit about what our plan is today. We've got a packed show. A um, lot, lot of huge announcements coming out of various sports leagues. So um, we may, uh, we may, may have some speedy pack segments, but stick with me because it's going to be a fun one. Um, so the first thing that we're going to discuss today um, is NBA announcements and changes uh, as we eagerly await the return of the season. Again, this is now a season return that has been agreed upon by the players and executives alike. It is happening. It's going to be incredible. Um, unique scheduling changes, unique format changes, which we'll get into and discuss. Um, it's going to be different, but uh, I, I fully believe they're going to deliver a great product. Um, so I'm excited to discuss that and discuss how this modified return to the league could end up impacting the league for much longer than you may think. Uh, we're also going to discuss some recent news and announcements regarding the NFL season as the league intends to move forward with its return to action in September. Um, they still plan to have fans in stadium. Um, they're still having an ongoing conversation right now um, of the issues of racial inequalities in this country. And uh, th this isn't a political show by any means, but uh, I do want to give a, a little brief warning for when we get to that segment. It is going to get somewhat political in that segment because the NFL really is in the midst of this whole uh, racial inequality, this whole discussion about uh, figuring out how we can solve these problems in our country. Um, and if, if, you'll, if many of you will remember um, when the whole Colin Kaepernick scenario was happening in the NFL, when we had players kneeling during the, during, kneeling during the anthem, things like that, all these protests, the NFL's changed its tune lately, um, and like it or not, uh, it's going to have an effect on the ratings. So we are going to get into that discussion. Um, I'll try to keep it somewhat brief, but 
it's something of importance and it is going to affect the business of the league. So I think it's important to talk about that in regards to the NFL. Uh, we'll also be talking about the upcoming MLB season. I know I've expressed in the past some doubt as to whether they'll actually have an MLB season this year. Um, the discussions among the Players Association and the league, they have been quite tense. Um, it is the one sport that doesn't necessarily need to have a season this year. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, but in good news, we did just have the MLB draft. It did go off without a hitch. My hometown Tigers, they had the number one pick. That worked out pretty well for them. Seems like they got a stud outfielder this year. Um, so I'm certainly excited about that. So everything that they're doing right now is acting as if the season will go on. Um, but again, there's still been no agreement on a deal between the Players Association and the league. Um, so we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, I will add a quick note that it is expected that the, uh, the league will counter the players' most recent counteroffer to the initial proposal. Um, it, it can get a little complicated in this scenario. Um, we don't want to get stuck in the weeds too much, so I'll try to keep it as simplified as possible. Um, but it's a very complex situation that really is not that close to being resolved yet. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, also, on, uh, on the note of the MLB, we did talk a little bit two weeks ago about the impact that uh, everything that was happening with the coronavirus was having on the minor league sports. Um, for those who did listen to that segment, um, we now know, as I've discussed, that the minor leagues are being hit in some ways even harder than the major leagues. Um, we're having players' salaries cut who already weren't great. We're having seasons canceled, uh, and a lot of people are hurting out there. But the MLB has been doing a good job in working with its players' union to hopefully alleviate some of the problems for the minor leagues, and they've been really been able to uh, attempt to prop that up. So we'll discuss that a little bit as well. Um, right before I get into the, uh, to the NBA and to all the great news about the NBA's hopefully triumphant return, um, it's time for a quick short break. You got it, and uh, we'll take that short break right now. And I want to mention to everybody the uh, number of great shows that we have on America's Web Radio. Very different shows, just like Billion Dollar Ballers. Uh, with Jack, it's a, it's a totally different sports show than anybody else runs, talking about the behind-the-scenes and money and management and so forth. We also have the Doctor's Lounge, and we try to get do shows that you just won't hear anyplace else. The Doctor's Lounge is what doctors are talking about in the hospital lounges when they get together. And after the experience I went through uh, for three weeks with a family member, we need Docs for Patient Care, and they're the ones that sponsor the Doctor's Lounge. And go to the website, Doctors for Patient Care, and donate whatever you can. It is a wonderful cause, and we really need them. I am proof positive of how important that group of doctors and civilians are in uh taking care of us and taking care and letting us know what to do when we are a member of our family, our friend, are in the hospitals. Now, with that being said, we've got a couple of new shows starting up. One is going to be strictly for veterans, 
All we will talk about is veterans and veteran issues and so forth. And the other one is, and this has been brought about by the fact that we've been talking about veterans and uh, Vietnam and World War II, et cetera, et cetera, and the realization of how poorly taught our kids are today, particularly in history. So we're starting our own history show that will be starting at, it'll be on at 9 o'clock on Tuesdays. And then uh, our veteran show will be at 10 o'clock on uh, Wednesdays, or 9 o'clock on Wednesdays, I'm sorry. And uh, we just got more and more new shows and the great old shows that we've got. So stay tuned as we grow on America's Web Radio, bringing you shows like no other station in the country, a show like like Jack's show, a show like... um, the Surveyor's Hour. No other radio station in the country honors and respects land surveyors like we do. And we do an hour show every Monday. We also uh, have a new elderly abuse show that will be starting shortly. So we try to advocate for those that can't advocate for themselves or don't or we feel are a good cause. And uh Right now, I want to thank Jack for being a part of the America's Web Radio family and doing another great show. So we'll be back right after this with Jack. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. And welcome back to another great segment. Uh, in this segment, we're going to talk about NBA announcements and changes uh, as we are all eagerly awaiting this now confirmed return uh, to uh, America's, uh, well, I'll say it, America's most beloved sport at this point. Uh, the NFL might have some great ratings, but the NBA definitely, by and large, seems to have the largest impact on culture. Um, so diving right in, NBA basketball will be back on July 30th. After 22 of the league's 30 teams return to their home markets, uh, they're going to quarantine there for a few weeks, they'll hold, hold training camps, and then they're going to travel to Orlando, Florida, and quarantine yet again for a few weeks uh, before the season actually restarts. Um, so what that's going to look like, there's going to be some seeding games uh, to approximate the rest of the regular season with a total of eight games being played. We'll get into why that number is important from a business standpoint in a moment. Um, but there will also be play-in games uh, and a traditional playoff format, although this year all 16 teams are going to be seeded um, in a different way. Uh, the traditional seeding of the individual East and West Conference being thrown out in, uh, in favor of just simply seeding the top 16 teams. Uh, so that will be an interesting change. Again, another adaptation that we're seeing and, and something that's quite unique and uh, who, who's, who's to say maybe it'll help ratings maybe it'll hurt ratings um, but it'll definitely be interesting so we'll follow that closely um, it is interesting to note that this plan does not include bringing back all of the players from every team um, although it does alleviate problems which would have come with uh, regional sports networks that have local deals with different teams as we talked uh, a couple weeks ago um, those le- regional sports networks will be losing 
a lot more inventory, um, especially when you consider how many of them there are. Uh, they wouldn't have much of a chance to make it up. So regional sports networks, um, they do get some early round NBA and play, NBA playoff games, um, but they usually don't get to keep showing those games deep into the playoffs. They usually are paying the league just to broadcast their local regular season. Um, and perhaps most crucially, when they do make that deal, um, the regular season, although it's an 82-game regular season, um, the the minimum number of games written into those uh, regional sport network contracts with teams, um, it's usually 70 games. That's the number. Um, so that's the minimum number of games that need to happen, that need to be broadcasted um, in order for those contracts to be considered fulfilled. Now, that's why they're doing um, that eight-game mini-regular season when they come back. Uh, sure, uh, there's some aspect of warming up the players and, and all that and competitiveness and being fair and everything, um, but don't let anyone fool you. It doesn't matter what the league says. They're doing eight games because that's how they make sure they get paid, and it makes sense. I would do the same thing. Um, but again, just uh, just another little bit of information that you may not have considered um, when looking at when they uh, trotted out this new schedule. Um, so that's uh, that's going to avoid again those those teams not hitting the minimums. Um, and had those minimums not been hit, uh, what you could have seen um, was contracts rolling over, uh, and that works essentially getting all of next season for free. Um, that definitely would have hurt the league. In a, in a major way, that represents a pretty large loss in revenue. Um, it would have had a cascading effect on the salary cap for years to come and caused a lot of problems. But thankfully, we've been able to avoid all that. Um, so kudos to the NBA for figuring that out, fulfilling their obligations, and putting together a plan that seems extremely fun and uh, should be great to follow. Uh, it is also important on the business side, to understand the level of impact that this shutdown has had on the league. Um, so, uh, as Commissioner Adam Silver has said in the past, their revenue, in essence, has dropped to zero um, over this time. And that's having a huge impact on uh, not only the team business, also the arena business. So, game night income from the fans, it accounts for roughly 40% of the league's annual revenue. Um, and that draws focus to concerns about financial consequences of the canceled season, or uh, the delayed season, pardon me. Um, so in returning and fulfilling their lucrative television contracts, they are netting roughly $2.7 billion annually from those contracts, um, and that's 30% of the total annual revenue. So that's a lot of money that they will be getting back. Um, again, they're still going to be losing uh, a lot of that in stadium revenue um, because they aren't going to have the fans in the stadiums. And it'll be interesting to see if they can find a way to make that up. Um, on top of the lost revenue, um, you also have to recognize that there are thousands of jobs impacted by the NBA. It's not just the players and the staff. Um, when you include the day of game arena workers, uh, the NBA is responsible for roughly 55,000 jobs. So not all those people are going to be coming back as the league comes back. They're all going to be in a quarantine bubble in Orlando. Um, there's no need for concession sales. There's no need for the, all the different people um, across the different arenas because they're all localized in one spot. Um, so 
while the league is getting some money back because of their television contracts, they're still going to lose money, um, and there are still going to be people out of jobs. So um, let's not forget that this isn't everything uh, everything hunky-dory. It's not solving all the problems. Um, but it, it's definitely a good start, and from a fan's perspective, it will be very fun and, and uh, a good distraction, if you will, um, to be able to watch the NBA again. Um, inter- interestingly, um, the return to action, uh, even though it is great, as I was saying, for us fans, it could have potentially negative ongoing effects um, as the league moves forward. <clears throat> so while it may seem like uh, we'll, we'll have a, uh, a one-off unique season um, and it, it won't be a huge deal and everything will come back and be normal again next year, uh, well, that that's just not going to be the case. Um, for some context here, um, last year the NBA Finals, uh, they started on June 4th, and there, there's a whole number of reasons that I, I won't get into because we don't have the time, but there's a whole number of reasons why the NBA does that. Uh, they have millions, or they have many people that research uh, when the best time of year for viewership is historically, when can they get the most money, and then that's how they get their TV contracts set up and all their bonuses for the playoffs, all that structure built in. Um, it's already past June 4th, and... Not, not only have we not had an NBA final start, we aren't even close to the playoffs yet. Um, so I'm going to break down some important dates and then explain how this is going to affect the NBA for years to come. Um, so June 21st, that's when all the players are going to report. Training camps are going to begin June 30th. All the teams head to Orlando June, July 7th. Um, they're going to restart the season July 30th. Um, and then Game 7 of the NBA Finals, if it's necessary, isn't going to happen until October 12th. Um, and that, that's going to end up pushing back the start of the next NBA season um, until what they're targeting right now, of December 1st. Um, definitely an interesting start date for them. I'm not sure they'll be able to get it done. If you think about that, um, that would that would mean that teams that make the NBA Finals could potentially have less than a month to recover before starting training camp for the following season. Again, that that seems like an interestingly quick timeline for me, um, but uh, maybe they'll be able to pull it off. I'm not sure of the competitive balance that that would provide if they did start that early. Um, but it, it would be extremely interesting, as we've talked in some past segments before, to see how this pushed-up timeline would affect the league. Uh, the NBA would now be competing um, with several sports that it, it really hasn't been in the past. Um, starting on December 1st, you're going to be starting right in the middle of uh, football season. It's, it's going to be interesting. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but it's definitely something that's going to have a large effect uh, for years to come, and it, it may permanently shift the NBA schedule to a later start date. Um, something that they've also been discussing is uh, moving that date back a little bit further or condensing the next season to try to kind of reset that NBA calendar. Um, and if I was the league, that's what I would do. They have a formula. Um, NBA generates a lot of revenue, and, and there's no need to change that formula. But again, um, the start date for next year is... It's not going to be able to be the same if they're not 
they're not doing the NBA Finals until October. So, um, huge business implications with all of that. It'll uh, it'll be again another case study um, provided by this whole coronavirus pandemic and and just another t- chance for a league to adapt. Hopefully, the NBA is able to um, to give us a, a better product and to make some more money. So we shall see. Um, Next, we're going to get into the NFL, uh, recent announcements, proposed changes, and again, um, continued, continued tensions as, as all the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter protests continue, um, and, uh, the NBA, certain NFL is certainly wrapped up in all of that. So we'll go to another short break and then we'll get right into that. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com, and we'll get back to you. Thank you. The Billion Dollar Ballers. In this segment, we're going to focus on recent announcements in the NFL, proposed changes to the new season, um, and as mentioned before, some uh, some racial tension in the midst of the Black Lives Matter riot and protests. So, uh, amid the chaos of this coronavirus outbreak, the NFL has been pretty lucky, um, one of the few, uh, with COVID-19 uh, hitting the United States so aggressively, um, in, in really the lull of the NFL's offseason, the league's calendar uh, to this point has been able to remain fairly normal. Uh, online meetings kept free agency on schedule. The, the virtual draft was a smash hit. Um, and the 2020 season is still slated to begin on time. Um, 
this was in juxtaposition to what's happened with the NHL, the NBA, um, both of those leagues halted uh, months before their respective postseason tournaments. Um, MLS, PGA, NASCAR, uh, only a handful of weeks into their season. MLB hadn't even concluded their preseason activities before everything was put on pause. So for now, uh, the NFL stands as um, the only major sports league in the U.S. to had their entire 2020 game schedule unaffected by the pandemic. Um, and, and that's uh, that's pretty pretty crazy, if you ask me. Um, there's no telling if it'll still be the case in September, um, given the, the chance of a, a second wave of COVID. Um, but at this point, all expectations are that football will be played as planned. Uh, and that's even including full capacity of fans in the stadium. Um, so uh, I, I've made some comments on this show in the past, uh, talking about how I thought it would be unlikely that they'd get full capacity of fans in the stadiums. Um, I, I still stand by that statement um, in regards to the, the league as a whole. I don't think that they'll be able to necessarily get full capacity in all the stadiums. But looking at what we're seeing now, um, and barring a, a second outbreak, uh, there, there are some states that I think are going to allow full fans in stadiums. And uh, personally, I would go to an NFL game, uh, right, even if there was a full stadium at this point. Um, I guess you could say I'm uh, more dedicated to to the sport than a lot of people are. But um, for all these people that are I've seen going out to bars, going out to nightclubs, going out to their favorite restaurants, um, it, it's it's the same thing. Um, so if people have been able to convince um, themselves that they can go out to that nightclub or that bar and, and do all that, then I, I see the NFL being able to fill up their stadiums as well. Um, so it'll be interesting um, to track for sure. Um, last week we also did talk about uh, how football may continue at its usual pace, um, but how there could be a lot going on around it. Uh, so. When the NFL usually takes over, uh, it's September. Uh, the NHL and NBA would be at the peak of their off season. Um, this year, uh, those off seasons are going to extend into the NFL season, um, and they could they could cause a little uh, a little battle for viewer attention there. Um, so uh, again, it'll be interesting to see if the NFL can stay atop that U.S. sports pyramid. Or if they're going to lose some some of that revenue due to a, a loss in viewership, as other sports kind of converge on their on their market. Um, notably, the NBA, as we talked about, their season is now potential has potential to uh, to be delayed every year. And if that's the case, it, it could really change the landscape for the NFL. And financially, they might have to take a look at, um, at what their salary cap projections are and what they're able to pay their players. So um, big changes potentially on the way for the NFL. Um, more on the note of having full stadiums, um, the NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations, Troy Vincent, uh, he said, quote, we are planning to have full stadiums until the medical community tells us we cannot. Um, he said, now, remember when we're talking, we're talking about September um, so there's a lot that can happen there. So we are still planning on full stadium. Again, I, I only include that quote just just to uh, to instill on all the people listening that um, it's not just rumors out there. That from the league's mouth itself, they're planning on having full stadiums. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, some key dates to keep in mind there. The NFL's Hall of Fame game is August sixth. 
And the regular season kicks off September 10th. Um, so that's when we'll know for sure if, uh, if they can make good on that promise to have full-capacity stadiums. Um, you may be asking uh, why, why when it's so risky, are these NFL teams um, so intent on packing their stadiums full of people? Um, as usual with sports, it comes down to the money. Um, if NFL teams play fans without game, uh, play games without fans in the stands in 2020, the league stands to lose 5.5 billion dollars, uh, and that's according to Forbes. Um, the figure is based on stadium revenue from the 2018 season. Um, so, what that is is uh, to get that 5.5 billion number. That's the sum of tickets, concessions, sponsors, parking, and team stores. Um, that accounts for 38% of the league's total revenue. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's certainly a very large figure. Um, but uh, important to note that the impact on individual teams could vary greatly. Um, so, for example, the Dallas Cowboys um, and the New England Patriots, two teams that have uh, very devoted fan bases and, and rake in a lot of money from, um, from their in-stadium revenue. They'd lose over half of total revenue, um, which would be wild. Um, in, in contrast to that, the Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans, um, some smaller town teams, uh, they, they would only lose less than one-third of their total revenue. So it's not all things equal here. Um, there's a reason you see owners like Jerry Jones and uh, and the uh, the Mara family with the New York Giants really pushing to have uh, fans in their stadiums, and, and other teams in smaller markets have been quiet. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see as different teams have more or less motivation to get this done, what ends up happening. But again, uh, if, if I did have to uh, to take a stab at or guess or um, project what will be happening. I'd say that some fans uh, will be in stadiums. Um, some stadiums won't have their fans. And uh, as time goes on, uh, depending on, as I said, what happens with a potential second outbreak, um, things are always likely to change. <coughs> um, that being said, uh, it is time to move on and discuss some of the racial issues that are plaguing the NFL right now. Um, the NFL did just come out, and they announced to commit $250 million over 10 years to a fund to, quote, combat systemic racism and support the battle against injustices faced by African Americans, end quote. So that, uh, that's, a, that's a great gesture uh, by the NFL. They have been making a concerted effort to join the conversation as it relates to racial inequality following the murder of George Floyd late last month. Um, in a statement issued last week, uh, Commissioner Goodell acknowledged that the NFL should have listened to the players earlier with regard to social injustices. Uh, he also encouraged peaceful protest uh, while condemning racism and systemic oppression of black people. Um, and I, I'll echo all those sentiments. I think it's outstanding that they're committing $250 million to that cause. Um, not a not an overly large number for the NFL, for the NFL, but nothing to uh, nothing to ignore. That's for sure. Um, we all um, we all in this country we want racial equality. We're striving to stop systemic oppression of black people. Um, there are certainly some bad cops out there. There are certainly many great cops out there as well. Um, but one thing that's been 
extremely, extremely prevalent um, in the NFL. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, is these anthem protests. Um, they were started by Colin Kaepernick, and this is where you have players kneeling during the national anthem. Now, um, coming from a military family myself, um, I've, I've never really been a, a huge supporter of that whole um, kneeling during the anthem protest. Uh, personally, in my family, we we stand during the anthem, even when there's a, a game on TV um, at our home, at our home. Um, so, kind of a different perspective for me on that. But there is one thing that I I haven't seen discussed a lot that I would I would like to discuss, and that's that um, the playing of a, a national anthem before uh, a sporting event is not a uniquely American thing. Um, it, I mean, for anybody who watches the Olympics, anyone who watches international soccer, um, you'll know that the uh, the national anthem of whatever country it is um, being played before the games is standard practice. Um, and uh, there have been discussions in the NFL of completely eliminating the national anthem being played. I personally think that would be a mistake. I personally believe that we should have pride in our country, um, e- even when we know that there are aspects of it that need help and need to be fixed. But all feelings and um, all uh, opinions aside, it uh, it really doesn't matter what I, what I think about it. It doesn't really matter what you think about the protests and all. Um, from the money-making standpoint of the NFL, um, this is going to impact ratings. The last time that uh, we saw these in mass anthem protests, the ratings dipped hugely. Um, it's part of the reason that the league uh, really frowned upon these for the time being. Now, understandably, with the current climate on um, regarding racial tensions in this country, uh, it, it makes sense that the NFL is going to uh, try to support the cause in any way that they can. Um, but uh, I don't, uh, at least from a strictly financial standpoint, um, the, the anthem protests or the elimination of the anthem before the games, um, it, it's likely to hurt the ratings yet again. Um, and it's an interesting conundrum for the league where they set their their moral principles and, and where they um, where they recognize that they need to make uh, make the money that that they have been. Um, the NFL and uh, NBA have afforded many um, not just. Uh, African-American individuals, many minorities, an opportunity to set their, their, themselves and their families up for, uh, for success for a long time. Um, and uh, that opportunity can be stifled um, if the ratings do go down a little bit. So just something to consider um, when, when discussing the anthem and discussing whether protests during it or um, whether occurring at all should, uh, should be a thing. Again, uh, I don't aim to tell you how you should feel about it or what's right or what's wrong. Um, just pointing out the facts that it, it could hurt the ratings. Um, the last, uh, last point I do want to touch on um, when it comes to the NFL is that uh, during a pandemic, obviously there are always hypotheticals that bring flexibility. Um, consider this option, um, say, for a backup plan. If the league is not able to start uh, when they plan in September, um, they actually have the easiest path, in my mind, to adapting their season. Um, so they could either take weeks one through four and uh, essentially turn them into weeks 18 through 21 of the season um, and just back it up four weeks. Um, if it were pushed back even two months, um, 
then the first half of the schedule could simply become the uh, the second half of the schedule, and they they wouldn't have to do many changes. Um, assuming the Super Bowl could be pushed back for a corresponding period, which they've said it could. So expect your NFL season to be back. Um, expect it to look a little different. Expect controversy over the anthem. Um, and um, who knows? Expect there to be fans in stadiums for now. Um, but we'll see what ends up happening. Um, with that, we're going to go to our last short break before coming back and discussing all of the litigation going on in the MLB right now. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers, and welcome back to our final segment of the day. Uh, This segment is uh, going to be discussing the MLB season, uh, how it's going to look, if it's going to happen, changes that will be made, um, and will the players in the league be able to come to an agreement? Uh, again, their new collective bargaining agreement is set to be put in place only a year from now. Um, so this currently still uncertain uh, of exactly what the MLB season will look like, if it'll happen. The league uh, did submit an initial 80-page document that outlined potential health and safety protocols um, several months ago now. Um, it did address testing, guidelines to travel, how the league would react uh, if anyone tested positive. Um, and that proposal included teams playing approximately 80 games, um, culminating in an expanded playoff. Um, the, the plan was also to um, include housing teams in uh, quote-unquote hub cities uh, so as to limit interstate travel, uh, which makes sense. Um, and it, it was initially the season supposed to start on March 26th, but obviously that hasn't happened. Um, one thing that has been and will be a major sticking point, um, and especially as uh, the team and the teams, uh, the players of the league keep going back and forth, is player compensation. Um, as we've talked about before, I'll just give a brief background of why this is so difficult for the MLB as compared to other leagues. Um, and that is because the contracts in the MLB, they are fully guaranteed. 
there's also a unique scenario where there is no salary cap in the MLB. Um, so whereas other leagues would have to just adjust the uh, adjust the cap for each team and probably pay pay people proportionately, um, that's uh, not that simple um, for Major League Baseball. So uh, owners have been seeking less than their originally suggested uh, prorated pay for players. Um, they're actually pretty adamant that they'll not pay a prorated salary. Um, they're saying the losses would be too steep. Uh, so their new possible proposal uh, has included um, somewhere around 80% of prorated pay. Um, the players haven't been happy about that. Uh, they wanted to go forward um, with, the re- uh, with, uh, with their own uh, proposal of full prorated salaries. Um, However, uh, without the in-stadium revenue, uh, at least at first, it's, it's likely that there will need to be a serious pay-cut for the players. So, uh, newest updates had the owners proposing a new pay structure. structure. Um, it was a marginal salary structure in which the lowest-paid players would receive close to a full share of their prorated salary, and the game stars would receive far less than expected. Um, so it, it would have included bonuses if postseason game had been played, um, but the formula that they had offered, um, for example, would take a player scheduled to make the league minimum of uh, around 600000 and give them a prorated number of around 300000 based on 82 games, which is about half of a normal MLB season. Um, so that would be a 10% cut um, from that prorated salary. Um, but as it go, as it went up and up and up, players would receive less of their uh, of what their prorated salary would have been. Um, so one of the biggest things to take note of uh, in the midst of all of this is the statement made by baseball's commissioner uh, that team owners do stand to lose $4 billion if the season has to be canceled. Um, it's important uh, because the 2020 season payroll for the MLB was expected to be over $4 billion, um, which means the owners are at a place uh, where if they do end up having to, uh, if they do end up getting to a sticking point with the players to the point that they can't agree on prorated salaries and the players won't play for anything less than their uh, their whole, whole uh, payroll, it actually saves them money to cancel the season. Uh, that's, at this point, I think that's kind of a small chance. I, I don't see that being likely. I think there's a way that they can figure out how to get some money out of this thing, and if they can get some money, um, they're going to play. Um, so it'll be interesting to see exactly what they do come to. Um, but since that proposal by the league that I spoke about uh, just a few seconds ago, the players have since countered. Uh, they've countered with a different offer. They're adamant they'll receive full prorated salaries, um, and they've offered to cut the regular season to 89 games um, instead of the suggested 82, which is also interesting. Um, the proposal by the Players Association uh, was given to Major League Baseball electronically on Tuesday, um, and that was given to the league without even one negotiating session. Um, it was detailed to the Associated Press by a pair of people that are familiar with the negotiations. Um, they spoke on the condition of anonymity um, because none of these announcements were authorized. So uh, the MLB didn't appear to be very receptive to this proposal. Uh, They didn't think it was very productive, but they didn't make a comment. 
Um, but it has been reported that one ownership source uh, reacted to the proposal saying, quote, we're nowhere. Um, so again, these, uh, these negotiations haven't been going very well. They haven't really been done in good faith. Um, and it, there's no end in sight. Um, we, we really can't tell what's going to happen with the MLB, and, and that's pretty unique because with most of these other sports, they've been able to figure it out. Um, players also, uh, they did submit this proposal one day after management cut its propose, proposal um, from 82 games to 76, um, which is interesting, again, because the players asked in their proposal for 89 games. Um, but what the players don't seem to be grasping is that as this uh, as this discussion continues to go on with the MLB, um, the the less likely it gets that they're able to have a season of substantial length, especially 89 games. Um, the deputy commissioner told the players' union that a 76 game schedule wouldn't even be possible unless players agreed to a deal uh, by next Wednesday. So again. The more time that passes, the shorter the season has to get. Um, but ironically, the players keep asking for a longer season, which doesn't make much sense. Um, so the more time that takes off this clock, the more money that people are losing in the MLB, the worse it is for the sport as a whole. Um, and the sport already has a downward trajectory um, in terms of revenue. Um, again, it's, it's really not going to affect how much they're able to pay the players that much. Um, they can still pay the players whatever they want to. There's no salary cap. But owners are going to become uh, slightly less willing to dish out these big contracts if they're not making as much money. So it does all have an effect. Um, in terms of fans and stadiums, MLB says that because the season likely would be played in empty ballparks without fans, the absence of gate-related revenue would lead to a loss of 640000 for each game played. Um, this is a figure that the union, the players' union, has been questioning. MLB's proposal would have guaranteed players 50% of prorated salaries and another 20 once the postseason was completed. Um, and teams would fund a $50 million pool for players' postseason shares, uh, even if they didn't sell any tickets. So in my mind, that's a, that's a pretty fair offer um, by the MLB. Uh, but... The players didn't like it, so we'll just have to see. They have to agree on something. It's not like they can uh, move forward without any sort of agreement. Um, but what they can do is cancel the season without any agreement. Um, so they should definitely try to get something done soon. Um, also, uh, moving on to our final quick-talking point of the day. Um, I had mentioned in the initial segment everything that's been going on with the minor leagues, how important that cause is, um, and how MLB has been doing a good job to um, to try to alleviate that. So something the players proposed is uh, $5 million from joint management union funds be marked towards supporting um, these minor, league, minor leaguers and their social causes. Um, players also agreed to participate in events such as an off-season all-star game, and or a home run derby in the offseason to broadcast enhancements uh, such as wearing microphones during games and bring those to the major leagues and hopefully increase viewership there. Um, so, again, all great things. Uh, that, that may not sound like that much money when it comes to MLB, but when it comes to these minor leagues, that's a good amount of money. Um, so I'm happy to see players coming together, being willing to do that. 
Uh, last few announcements. Players Union did not accept the management's offer to suspend free agent compensation this offseason. It would have eliminated qualifying offers, um, but the players didn't agree to that, so that's not happening at this juncture. Uh, they did accept MLB's proposal that high-risk players could opt out of this season and receive salary and service time, um, but other players who opt out would not receive salary or service time. Um, so this is, this is just basically saying that uh, you can't opt out of the season and get your pay if you're not a high-risk person, which to me makes total sense. I mean, if, if we're not talking about sports, if we're talking about your average uh, office desk job or anything, or anything, or really any job aside from professional sports, you definitely can't go to your boss and say, hey, I'm scared of co-, like, we're talking a couple months from now. You can't go to your boss and say, hey, I'm scared of COVID-19. I'm not going to come to work. I still want my full salary. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. That's, that's just not how this thing works. Um, but Athletes do get afforded a slight luxury, um, and for them, they can go and say, hey, uh, hey, man, I have asthma. I'm really scared of COVID, and, and they will get their full salary. So, interesting to know. Um, with that, uh, coming to a close, I'll give a, a very brief preview of next week's show. Um, with next week's show, we're going to, again, focus on what's going on in the MLB. And, uh, and hopefully there's a, an agreement come to you by the players, and hopefully it's not another week of no progress, but we shall see. Again, focusing on the NBA and the NFL, um, maybe there will be changes to that new Premier Lacrosse League. We shall see. And I will go into deeper detail on the UFC, um, talking about Fight Island uh, and, and really breaking down uh, fighter pay, which has become a big issue, and I'll, I'll explain to you why some of your favorite fighters aren't making as much money as you might think they would. Um, Anyway, with that, this has been uh, Billion Dollar Ballers. I'm Jack Christides. Thank you for tuning in today to America's Web Radio, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.